The following podcast is a program segment from the Midday Moments program with Gary Duncan. Join Gary for two hours of sacred music, along with moments of faith, family, and fun. Listen to AM 850 in St. Louis, or on the live stream at kfuo.org. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere, KFUO Radio. AM 850 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and wherever you get your podcast. Just search us out when you get on those various platforms. Good afternoon. It's time now for us to have our moments in creation. We have Pastor Warren Worth from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold, Missouri. Today, you want to talk about, from what I understand, Pastor, the Old Testament lesson from this past Sunday. And what was that, Job 38? It was from Job chapter 38. Yes, many of our listeners uh, attend churches that use the three-year lectionary, and so Sunday, August 9th, was the 10th Sunday after Pentecost, and that's proper 14a in the Series A lessons. The Holy Gospel for the day was Matthew 14, the account of our Lord Jesus coming to his disciples, walking on the sea when they were in the boat in the middle of the lake, in the middle of a storm, in the middle of the night. And he comes, and they're frightened, and he says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Uh, Peter wants to come to him walking on the water, but then begins to sink. Jesus rescues him and says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? They get in the boat, and the wind stops, and everyone confesses, truly, you, Jesus, are the Son of God. And that's the primary lesson for the day. The Old Testament lesson that was appointed and that corresponds to that is Job 38, where you're kind of to the climax of the story of Job. You know, Job is all about why do the righteous suffer? Job is described as a man who's righteous and blameless, and yet the Lord allows suffering to come into his life, amazing amounts of suffering. You know, his, he loses his family, he loses his possessions, he's afflicted in his body with painful sores, and the question is, why is this happening? And his friends come to comfort him, but then their comfort becomes torment as they pepper him with questions and acts as though somehow this is his fault and he has unconfessed sin. And so Job is struggling with this problem of why do the righteous suffer. And you go through this whole book, and now we're at the climax where the Lord answers, who are you to question me? I am the creator. I'm almighty. I'm all wise. And you are not in a position to question what I do. My ways are inscrutable to you. That is the gist of what's going on here. Now, when we get to chapter 38, and the Lord begins answering Job from the whirlwind, the part we read last Sunday included God pointing out that he is transcendent. He's above all creation as the creator. Everyone is accountable to him. It's not that we can hold him accountable somehow. He holds us accountable. And so the story was, you know, where were you when I created the world? Where were you when I created the sea? Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep and so forth? So these rhetorical questions are basically putting Job and us in his place, in our place, so that we're able to say, oh, I guess I am out of line when I shake my fist at God when I don't understand what's going on. 
Well, I wanted to extend what's going on in that to read more of what the Lord says, because it isn't just those few verses where he talks about creating the universe and creating the sea and so forth. God goes on for several chapters uh, pointing out to the wonders of his creation, and in the wonders of God's creation and things that man cannot comprehend, we see the wonders of God displayed, his power, his might, his wisdom displayed in what he has created, including all kinds of wild animals. And so in chapter 39, he mentions the wild donkey, he talks about mountain goat, he talks about the wild ox, he talks about the ostrich, he talks about the horse, he talks about the hawk, he talks about the eagle. All of these real animals that we know and that people of Bible times would know and be familiar with are cited as examples of God's creative power And he is the one who knows the answers to all those questions where people say, wow, I wonder what the answer to that is. We don't know all about all these creatures, but God who created them knows all about them. He provided for them. He designed them the way he designed them. And all that points to his power, his majesty, his wisdom. And so that obviously he knows what he's doing, even when we don't know and understand what he's doing. And it comes up to this part when you get to chapter um, 40, and the Lord goes on, he talks about behemoth, and then the next chapter he talks about Leviathan. So chapter 40 and 41, where God continues addressing Job, he mentions behemoth and Leviathan. These are creatures, nobody knows for sure what they are. Uh, Their their description is there, and they sound like they could be dinosaurs. Uh, We don't have time to go into all the arguments for that this afternoon, but answers in Genesis.org, right now on their homepage, they have an article called Drawing Out the Biblical Leviathan. And he goes into more detail there on the arguments that this could very likely be a dinosaur, the Leviathan and behemoth as well. Now, understanding that dinosaurs were created by God in the six days of creation, dinosaurs being the land-dwelling reptiles, and then the one that's described as Leviathan appears to have been a semi-aquatic. So it was either a sea creature or partially in the sea and partially on land. And its description in uh, Job as being this large, fearsome creature could very well have been a dinosaur. So it's kind of interesting to contemplate the fact that dinosaurs uh, were created by God, that they would have survived the great flood of Noah's day by being taken on the ark, not all of them huge by any means. Even the ones that in their adult stage would be huge could have been taken as juveniles. Ultimately, you say, how does that connect to Christ well, and to us? Well, I want to say, and Pastor... Once it, were you going to say something else there? Yeah, I wanted to add, there wouldn't have been this big distance in years, like the evolutionists tried to tell us there's millions and millions of years between the dinosaur and man. That is not true. That is not true. That is not biblically correct. When you study what the Bible says, we realize that the earth is only a few thousand years old, not millions and billions of years old. Mm -hmm. The whole myth of evolution cannot be true on a whole lot of levels. That is a discussion that we have ongoing here in our creation moments. But right now, our our interest is that um, there is evidence that that dinosaurs lived at the time of humans, not millions of years after, but at the same time as humans. And this account in Job, the behemoth and Leviathan, could very well be examples of that. There's plenty of art that's been handed down through the ages that uh, depicts uh, dragons that when compared to uh, what we know of the remains, fossil remains of certain dinosaurs, it's like, wow, you know, this could very well have been this kind of dinosaur or that kind of dinosaur. That's fascinating to contemplate as well. And there are books on this subject available at Answers in Genesis. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, you know, we realize that down to today, there are all kinds of creatures that are amazing to us, creatures that we thought were long 
long extinct, and it turns out they're still around. So the coelacanth fish is an example of that. It wasn't until the 1930s that Western scientists realized that what they thought was long extinct was actually a fish that still exists swimming out in the waters there, and it didn't evolve into anything else than what it was. Mm-hmm. And during those supposed millions of years, it still reproduced after its own kind, the way God says in Genesis. Now, in the Bible, the dragon is often used, particularly in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, as a symbol for Satan. Satan is the symbolized as a red dragon with seven heads and so forth, and opposed to Christ. And it's interesting, of course, that Christ ultimately defeats the dragon and is the victor. That's that's how the story ends. And so the story of Job ends after God had upbraids him and points out, who are you to question me? Then Job repents in uh, dust and ashes, and, and he repents of his questioning God, and God restores him, restores his fortunes, restores his family, and so forth. And he blesses Job in the end. And we know that the end for us is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who walked on the sea there that day, as recorded in Matthew chapter 14 is the one who went to Calvary's cross, suffered death for us in our place, and rose victorious on the third day. And because of his death and resurrection, we who repent of our sins and trust in Jesus know that we have the final victory over the dragon, Satan. And that's how this story ends. And that's how we tie it all into Christ. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Pastor. It's so good hearing from you again this week. I look forward to talking to you next week. And it's very obvious that creation is not just in Genesis. It's all over the Scripture. It's going to be interesting as we continue these weeks talking with you about creation. So thanks very much, Pastor Warren Worth from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold. I'll be with you. Amen. 50 KFUO, KFUO.org online. This is Midday Moments. Christ for you anytime. Anywhere.